What's up, guys? It's Kevin and Steve, founders of Bombers and Sleeves, a clothing and lifestyle brand dedicated to artists, writers, musicians, or anyone currently on a creative path or anyone looking to start a creative journey of their own. We call this our Bombcast, and the goal with our company and this podcast is to encourage you to push past fear, doubt, and win the internal war of your creative pursuit. Now, we sum that up in three words, and what are those three words? Bomb your boundaries. What does that mean? Well, let's think about it. What has more focus, concentrated, explosive energy than a bomb? Not that much fucking else. And therefore, we use it as a metaphor for what you need to do to make your creative vision come through. Get focused, get intense, and let's make some shit happen. We got a great episode for you today. We got our man, Mike August, in the house. We are very, very excited to share with you his story, where he comes from, and uh, how he kind of benefits of this whole journey. So now that you know what Bomb Your Boundaries means, you're going to hear that a lot throughout the podcast. It's the slogan for the company. So wanted to let you in on what that is. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, just like Kevin said, we have a very special guest here tonight. He is uh, one of my favorite and most talented songwriters I've encountered in Nashville with. I work with this guy all the time. I'm very honored to work with him. He also serves as creative director over at Demolition Music uh, right here in Nashville on Music Row. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael August. What's going on, guys? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me out. No, man. Thank you for being here, dude. This is a big honor. So thank you for your time. Please. Well, Mike, so first thing we like to like to ask our guests on the show, let's just slow it down and take it back to like the first time that you like really fell in love with music, man. I want to know your whole background and kind of how you got up to this point in your career. So what was, maybe take us just back to your childhood, man. Where'd you grow up? What was your family life like? What was your first introduction to music? Things like that. Oh man. Okay. So, I mean, we're going way back here. So, um, all right, so I grew up in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, right right outside of Philadelphia, and I would say kind of stems back to I mean this is I'm I'm way younger than this, but the 1950s, my grandfather started uh, New Jersey School of Music, which was a a music school um, in Medford, New Jersey, and uh, you know kind of went through the years, kept it. When I was when I was born, I grew up um, literally from the age of I don't know three years old, taking uh, violin lessons, um, piano lessons, you know, Russian piano teachers, everything. Um, so, <laughs> That's intense. You know, yeah. <laughs> For me, it was uh, it was kind of music was it wasn't a choice. I was I was kind of born into it, and it was like you were doing this. And uh, <laughs> that's and, beautiful. Dude. <laughs> it was it was cool. I mean, you know, my entire family is professional musicians from my grandfather to my uncle to my both my parents. So um, so I kind of grew up within the walls of the New Jersey School of Music, taking taking lessons from a young age. Um, but you had mentioned, you know, when was the first time that I really fell in love with music? Um, that wasn't actually until probably my junior year of high school. The first time I really felt like you know, I loved music. Um, because for me, it was a forced thing. You know, it was forced, it was piano lessons, it was violin, it was um, practice, 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 which I appreciate now. But back then, you know, all I wanted to do was play sports, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. that's that's easy to rebel against when it's forced down your throat like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. So, you know, for me, it was I'd rather kick a soccer ball or, you know, play hockey, which was, which, which was more, I was more interested at the time. But, um, it wasn't until I think my, yeah, like I said, my junior year of high school, I sat down and I wrote 
um, I could say the the first song that I actually you know really loved. Right, I wrote a song and I fell in love with the idea of oh, this is what music could be for me. So nice man. What was know, the inspiration for that? Then I'm curious. Oh well. I mean, at the time, it, of course, it's a girl, right? Of course, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> every time, every time, <laughs> I get you every time, man. For 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 me, it was, you know, it was my my parents were um, classically trained musicians. Um, my uncle was a jazz musician, one of the best in Philly. Uh, my grandfather, same classically trained. For me, you know, it, that wasn't my my passion. You know, for me, I didn't find my passion until later, which which became songwriting and music. Will music was really a vehicle to get me there. Um, so for me, you know, it was, of course I was, I was writing about what I was going through, you know? Do you remember the title of the song? I do. I do. I thought it was so brilliant at the time. You ready? Yeah. Familiar stranger. Dude. (laughs) I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Yes. For those that don't know, uh, Steve used to have a band called Common Rarity, which is of the same vein. <laughs> oh, always yes. been a fan of the oxymoron. You, yeah, you did. You felt like you were genius. Oh, dude. Know? Brilliant. Brilliant. Could you still, do you remember how it goes? Oh, like if I don't, pressed, could you remember anything about it? I could probably, I could probably sing a little, a little bit of it, but you know. But you don't have to do it here. <laughs> yeah. You, only if you to want to. No, we're we going to do that to you. But, um. Uh, okay. So, so to start writing, did you just start like journaling and then you formulated your songwriting style out of that? Or did you just sit down and and write out a song and and go for it? For me, it was definitely piano. It was, I would sit down at the piano and I'd come up with some kind of, you know, uh, chord progression or, uh, melodic line that, that just, I guess that I fell in love with. And then it was writing a melody over top of it and then putting lyrics to it. That that was for me how I kind of started. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome, man. Did you ever play this song for that uh, poor girl? I did. I did. I and actually, what was the reaction? I mean, this is how, this is how nerdy I actually was. I actually were. Yeah. So I, uh, embrace it, baby. I love that <laughs> about you. So I, I not only played it for her, but I, I recorded the entire thing. Um, and I brought it to her house, and I had a CD, a burn CD, you know. You know what those were. For those of you in the we, audience who don't know what a burn CD, it was basically, uh, it was like text messaging back, I, I right. guess what you would call it, right? Right, of course, of course. So I bring it over her house, and I put it in, and uh, I'm like, I wrote this about you. And, and she listens to it, and, you know, I she loved it or did a great job of pretending like she loved it um because wow. i mean I, I definitely that's hella romantic dude yeah we we probably dated for two years after that which was you know wow. it was one of those yeah oh wow so it, so it worked so it worked <laughs> it worked it definitely the power worked. of music and the power of love well okay so dude you got to be hooked after that because you're like shit man i took a risk it worked maybe this is my thing oh yes or no you know it was yeah music could get me girls i was like this is crazy no i didn't actually <laughs> yeah no for me i was definitely hooked though it was it more about more about the songwriting and more about the idea that um wow i can create my own music and i can do something that's my own um as opposed to something that's already been written that i'm that i'm just learning you know yeah, I'd love to hear maybe a little bit more about that, man. Like, what's what's what was like specifically empowering about that? As far as, um, I guess, I mean, to me, the only thing that I could really say is that up until that until that point, I was always 
just learning, you know, a classical piece of music or I was, you know, learning a learning a jazz song or a, whether it was a pop song or I was always covering something. Got it. It's forced um, and soulless. Right. You yeah. were learning but not creating your own. And creating my own and and the fact that, you know, I could because of course, you know, in high school it's like you get a sa- you get a chance to sit down at the piano and play something, you're going to play it right in front of people. So that was the thing. It's like you I sat down and I'd play this song and all of a sudden people would react and it would be this thing and it's almost it's it's in you know for me it's it, it was an addiction. It was like, "Oh wow, people like what I'm doing and this is something that I created and it becomes like I want to do more of this, you know?" Did you show uh like during this time did you show like your parents like this is the stuff I'm working on were they really supportive of it? Oh, my dad, I mean my parents couldn't have been they and still to this day uh, probably the biggest supporters of my entire life. I mean, my dad, you know, as soon as I started writing songs, went out and purchased, you know, an insane amount of recording gear to bring home and show me because he's he he did recording his whole life and he bought you know all the digital stuff at that time and came home and showed me how to record and we recorded like you know five singles together and then progressed progressed from there and you know bought more gear so he was yeah he was always in my corner you know helping me um produce stuff and, and all that that's amazing that's really Very important cool. that's too amazing, i yeah. think especially when you're discovering music on your own and becoming this um i mean my i guess my next question is like you're writing these songs you get support from dad you're you you got five singles now Are, is this like uh, a transition into an artist kind of uh thing for you well for me it was it was a little bit because i'd i'd graduated high school and i, I wasn't at that point where i'd been you know, studying music so much that I was going to go to school for music. So I had made the choice that I was going to go to school for business um, and wanted to, you know, I didn't know at the time what I was going to do with my life um, between transitioning from a senior into high school and, you know, into college. So I went to school, um, St. Joe's University, they had a great marketing program and I went to school um, to, to get involved with that. But prob- and I kept, just kept writing you know, in my dorm room, I picked up the guitar for the first time, uh, my freshman year in college. And it was, you know, cause you can't bring a piano really. So it's like, um, so I had picked up a guitar and I started learning and then I was hooked on that. Uh, and then the songs started coming out differently on guitar, obviously than they were on piano and it just started spiraling. And all of a sudden, you know, by the time of my, you know, in the freshman year of college, I was, I decided that music was it. And I was like, man, I made a mistake. I went to school for business. I really should be doing music. Um, and that's when I went from there to start, you know, figuring out how to, how to get a band together. That was the first hurdle. It was like, how do you find people that are like-minded that want to do what you want to do and like the same kind of music, you know, cause when I grew up, it was all, you know, I was in, I was in the emo stages when when right. everyone everyone was I doing think emo. All, I think yeah. we all were. It's safe yeah. to say that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was definitely emo and punk and and I wasn't writing that kind of stuff, you know. I was influenced by the Counting Crows and, you know, that 90s alternative rock thing. Um so that's kind of where where my music was coming from. So I had to find like-minded people um which, you know, kind of progressed and and it did progress into a band, of course, and then a couple bands, you know. Where'd you end up finding them? Because I'm I'm always curious about like the small details of that. Because you had to get resourceful then, right? You're up against a small obstacle at that point. The popular music of your time is not what you're into. Where? How did you distill that down into 
um, finding the people that worked for your band? Man, it was honestly, this is funny, but it was a family affair. I mean, my sister. Nice. Yeah. My sister. Strong intru- family, Mike August. It, it is. It was, it was all come from, came from the family. My sister introduced me to a bass player um, who, who, you know, we clicked immediately. And then my mom who was ended up, she was teaching a, uh, a Woodwinds theory class at University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And she had, one of her students was a, a drummer. Um, and she she was like, hey, Mike, I, I'm, I have this student who's an incredible drummer. You got to meet him. And I ended up meeting him and he was f- phenomenal. And then he introduced me to um, another guitarist. And uh, and then we, we just all, you know, started a band together. It was, it was kind of like, kind of like that. Nice, that's crazy. Dude. That's crazy. That, I mean, that's beautiful, man. And that's uh, that's sometimes how it works, man. And like, how was your first time like getting in the room with them? Like the first time you like, did you, I'm sure you performed one of the songs that you'd written. Uh, was that was that kind of it? And yeah. then like, how was that moment when everyone just like one, two, three, and like, what happened then, dude? I will never forget that moment. It was that was crazy because for years it's like you're playing these songs with yourself in your room or whatever, and you. The first time I play the song and the band actually is playing it with me, everyone kicks in, was like, I mean, I literally stopped and just started laughing because I was <laughs> like, awesome. I nice. was like, holy shit, this is a different world. It's just a fire got lit immediately. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, because I mean, we're all musicians in this room. We can relate exactly to that euphoric moment where you're just elevated to a whole nother level you didn't even know existed. Right. I mean, you you were writing these songs kind of in your dorm room is what you were saying. And then you hearing it for the first time, like with, I guess, just in a different light, like sonically with other instruments. And it just sounded probably what so big. And you're like, oh, my, I understand the laughing thing. I oh, think yeah. I did the same exact thing. It's 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 like almost funny. It's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this is happening. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question too, because uh, you grew up playing piano and then you started playing guitar in college. Um, wh- when you're writing songs, I mean, even today, like, is it is it easier for you to write on piano, or is it easier easier for you to write on guitar, or is there what's the main difference? For me, it's definitely it's n- neither of which are easier. It's a, just a matter of I feel like if I sit down at the piano, I'm going to write a different song than if I pick up the guitar. So for me, it's it's just a matter of, you know, if I have an idea, I'll just sit down and I'll, I'll know, okay, this is definitely something I want to I play on guitar. Or sometimes I'll just sit down and start jamming on either instrument and something will come out. So f- for me, it's not really um, one's, one's easier. Uh, it's more so I think I'm, I, I use them as, as tools for creativity. Okay, so this band you had there, did you guys play out? I mean, what's oh yeah, uh, take, yeah. Us, take us through the timeline now. So at that point, it was you know we got to I was probably a, a junior in college, and you know we had the band situation started playing. Um, the you know the, our whole my whole school started getting to know who we were, and it was okay. Well, what do you do? So um, the next step was, uh, I basically, you know, made a package. We started recording songs. We, we built it five song EP started booking, um, colleges. Cause my goal at that time, my dream, I should say was, I, I thought I was going to be the next Dave Matthews band. Right. So, so following that blueprint. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was in, independent all the way, right. you know, until a record label was going to come knocking down my door and demanding me to sign, offering me a huge advance and all that. Right. Um, you know, 
but at the time, so so what what was I doing? I was touring colleges. I was doing the you know the college circuit, um, which which was good for us as far as you know finding fans that liked the style of music we were writing, um, and also a good way to provide a paycheck. But uh, you know the reality of that situation is one day you're playing, um, you're opening up for you know a kick ass band, and you're you're like there's a huge crowd out there the next day you're playing in a cafeteria to two people so you never knew what you were going to get and then it was it was kind of a um a kind of a path for us that really I guess wore down you know the band and you know eventually we lost the bass player which then led to losing uh, a guitar player and you know how bands go it just yeah. sometimes it works and sometimes most of the time it doesn't so so that band dissolves, like, tell me about the emotional journey of that. Cause I know personally when bands dissolve, it's like, it's probably worse than a, than a, you know, romantic relationship breakup. What yeah. did it feel like? Oh man, for me, it was, it was, it was definitely trying to figure out, I was always concentrated on, okay, what's the next move? You know, uh, this is, this is, this sucks, but what's the next move? So I'm looking at, okay, I'm going to do a solo project next. Okay. So switch gears, start a solo project, a piano driven thing. Like it was like almost like a Ben folds meets the fray kind of piano thing. It was called my name is August. Um, nice. yeah, I took my, my, my middle name is actually August. So I'm Michael August Walton's my full name. I go by Michael August now, but August was, was the name of the, you know, my name is August was the name of the group. And it was the same thing. It was, let's, let's play shows. Let's do colleges. Let's, I had a backing band and all that. Um, but I still had my, the lead guitarist who was my songwriting partner for a long time, Eric Schwank, he stayed with the whole thing and, and through it and was always there, uh, which was killer to have that kind of support from, from one person who believed in, believed in it so much. For sure. Um, but yeah, so for, for that, it was, it was kind of, you know, as those things did not materialize, um, I tried to figure out what I was going to do, you know, what, what the next move was. Um, so it actually ended up taking me back to school. Um, for me, it was at first it was, uh, okay, well I have this business degree, but I'm really in love with music. Um, how, how do I take that further? And the only thing I could think of, you know, before thinking of having, you know, actually making a move was to go back to school and, and build my chops really, really get my musicianship together and, and all that kind of stuff. So I went back to school and I ended up doing a, uh, actually a master's in music, uh, university of the arts, um, and while I was doing that, it was, it was, I was taking trips to LA and I was taking trips to Nashville and it was where I found, uh, Nashville is actually where I found that, Hey, you wait, can wait, write to, songs. Yeah. Sorry to build career opportunities. You were taking trips back and forth or, yeah, it just, or, or you just wanted to experience what it was like experience. Cause I wanted okay. to figure out, I knew that, uh, you know, at that point I was thinking I had to move to a major music city Yes, to be a part, to actually make a go at this thing. Um, Philly was cool, but the the scene wasn't really there. You couldn't have a career in music, uh, per se, in in Philadelphia. Um, and New York was close, but I was I didn't feel the call to New York. I, I loved L.A. and I just had heard of you know Nashville being a thing. Um, and anyway, just started taking trips, uh, doing writing sessions out there, and and really came to find out um, first time stepping into Nashville that you could actually be a writer. Uh, and that was a, a songwriter and that was a thing that was a, people made careers and made great livings as songwriters, which just blew my mind. <clears throat> I, that, that's so funny you said that I mentioned that on, uh, our, our first podcast, uh, 
w- w- just an eye-opening experience when you realize, oh, that's an actual job you could do. Like you can yeah. actually do it, and you don't really have to be the one on stage. But you can also go on stage and perform those songs and still get mad respect and still get a great paycheck. I mean, it was cra- I, I, you know, in Northeast Ohio where I grew up, no one ever told me that was possible. Like, right. I just, you know, that's crazy. Oh yeah, and I, I had, you know, at the time. When you're thinking about it even further, digging even deeper, I had a, a girlfriend at the time who was a serious girlfriend that I knew that one day, you know, wanted to make my wife. Uh, and at the same time, Sue. yes, love Sue. Shout out Sue. to Sue. <laughs> so, so Sue, you know, w- with us, it was it was one of those things where okay, well, you know, I could picture myself for sure because I think my first love was not as much performing but more the songwriting. That's what I fell in love with. You know, we date back to the high school story that I told you. You oh, know, cool. it's it, my first love was always the songwriting. Um, I love performing at the same time, but that's what I was really drawn to. Yeah, you um, like the process. Yeah, you know, it's it's in Nashville, you know, if you're a songwriter, you know Nashville is probably the best place on the planet right now to be. Um, so anyway, we fell, both me and... You know, my girlfriend, Sue, at, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, we both fell in love with Nashville. So we kind of made that the the goal. It was after uh, after the master's program, we're, we're making move, we're packing up, and we're doing it. Um, so that, that's that's what we did. Nice, dude. Okay, so did you come down to Nashville with the, with the goal of being an artist, or you came down here, you're sold on the songwriting, think you want to make being Mike August, the songwriter, the the next adventure, correct yeah. or not? So, well, okay, so I'll back it up a, a hot second. Yeah, yeah. So in the midst of doing the whole band situation and being in New Jersey and going back to school and all that, um, Sue, now that I introduced her, was kind of an integral part of, she was always, she, she we, we were driving to her parents' house, uh, who lived, they lived in West Virginia, and on that four-hour drive, kept talking about, you know, how to make this happen, how to make this happen. And she just came out and said, listen, you're spending so much time creating. You're spending so much time writing and recording, and you're not spending any time on the business side of things. You're not taking care. You're not meeting people. You're not meeting the right people, you know, and what's the, what's that common cliche? You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And is that really true in music? So to put it to the test, I decided to start a blog. Uh, cause you know, nice. that was a cool thing to do back then. Right. You know, everyone had blogs. Yeah. yeah. I got too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I started this blog called making it 365 and the idea. Nice. Yeah. So the, the goal really was, okay. So like I said, you know, it's, it's maybe it's not what you know, it's, it's who, you know, and what if, I just, I, what if I start knowing a lot of people, not only a lot of people, but a lot of the right people. Uh, so what I did was for 365 days, the goal of the blog was every single day I'd reach out to one music industry professional, uh, cold email or a phone call or a Facebook message or whatever it was. I'd reach out to one music industry, industry professional every single day for 365 days with the goal of signing a publishing deal. Okay, so that right there, dude, please hold your thought because I want everyone out there to hear this very clearly because mm-hmm. this ties in with the introduction. He got focused and got explosive with his with his actions, right? 
And totally uncomfortable. Totally uncomfortable. This is like, this is a very focused, detailed plan. It's not like, man, I hope this happens one day. This is, I got a specific number of emails. I got a specific number of days. I'm going to make this happen. So I just wanted to, you know, back this up and listen to that last, you know, two or three minutes because that's very important. But go ahead, man. Man, and I think, Steve, you said uncomfortable. And that is the key word because honestly, like, you know, I am, I, in person, like if you know me, like I'm, I'm an extrovert. I love going out. I love people. I love talking, but inside, like, you know, I'm a scared little kid. Like I, I, I try to, you know, for me, uh, reaching out to people that are, that can have something to do with my music or can possibly reject me or say no, or not like me. That's a huge fear for me. Right. So, um, you know, and I did not develop, I didn't have thick skin back then. It was, it was okay. Well, let's test the waters. Let's start sending this music out to the people that can make decisions and see what happens. Um, and it was scary. So, so I did, it was, you know, every day it was sending out, I'd, 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 I'd reach out to publishers. I'd reach out to label executives. Uh, I'd reach out to producers, um, people who were doing TV and film stuff, uh, other hit songwriters that I thought I might want to write with. Um, every day it was some somebody different. And through 365 days, what happened was that's actually what what brought me to Nashville uh, was that you know I came I came I was out in L.A. first and I met um, this hit songwriter named Jason Bloom, who if y'all know Jason Bloom, I know he's he's a big name in Nashville for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's a big songwriting mentor, hit songwriter. Um, and he was the first person that, while I was in L.A. Uh, at a, a taxi, it was called Taxi, uh, I was at the, the convention, I had played him some songs, and he said, you know what, you, you have something here. Um, and he, he gave me his info and all that. And when I got back home, he, you know, and I, oh, by, by the way, I had asked him at that point. I said, you know, is it, do I need to be in a major music city to do, to make it happen? And <laughs> classic, classic. He goes, uh, you know, I don't know if I can tell you, but I did write a book, so you might want to buy this book. Wow! <laughs> I, you know, was, I think I had that book. Well, I think he's written many books. Many books. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had that book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So of course, you nice, know, nice I, pitch, bro. It was nice a good. Pitch. It was a good plug. Yeah. So I bought the book, um, and you know, for me, it it became this thing where. I read the book and I totally became enamored with hit songwriting and and the idea of it. Um, so the next thing was uh, I got an email from Jason Bloom that you know he said, "Hey, listen, uh, I think you really got what it takes. You know, keep going for it." And that's all I needed to hear. So in the midst in the midst of that, I started thinking, okay, well the the idea of this blog is to totally you know go do anything. Be if you if you think of it do it. So it was, yeah. So in the midst of it, you know, I was like, okay, well, I don't know. Jason Bloom thinking he digs what I'm doing. I'm going to send him an idea. So I ended up sending him an idea of a song that I, that I wrote and saying, Hey, here's an idea. Uh, I'd love to write this with you. Um, and he gets back to me, says, I love this idea. Already thinking of stuff right now. Let's do it. So to me, that was a huge win. We end up finishing the song. Um, he was like, come down to Nashville. Let's record this. And we ended up, I ended up coming down to Nashville in the studio, recorded it with him. 
And then, you know, the next thing I know, he's pitching it to Keith Urban and Rascal Flats. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just wrote this song. I'm getting through all these doors immediately. Um, so that was a huge, huge thing for me. You know, it was it was I think that even more, you know, the, the flame had already been going, but that definitely lit the fire. So for sure, definite yeah. confirmation, man. And you're still in school at the time, right? When all yeah. this is going on. Still in a Dude, grad that's program. amazing, man. Yeah, that is really amazing. Can I ask you just to, to take a short left turn here? What was the pros of those 365 emails? Like, what did it say? Hey, I'm Mike August. I'm a student at XYZ College. I'd love to reach out. Like, what what was the body of that email? So that's a great question. And and it actually, um, I had uh, whittled it down. It was It was basically, I think if I remember correctly, in the beginning, I definitely had it like way too long. And the big, the worst thing you can do is send a long email. Honestly, yeah, because people are deleting that shit right right away. away. They don't want to, you know. In at this point, I mean, if I'm reaching out to anybody and I've never met them before, and I want something like a meeting or whatever, I mean, my email is probably like two or three sentences max, and it gets right to the point. Um, but then, you know, it was it was a little background. Um, it was maybe I I had uh, attached I had ask permission to send some songs, something like that. Um, I didn't say that I was in school. I just said that, uh, I was a songwriter. Um, maybe something like, uh, beginning to take meetings with publishers and stuff like that. Um, but I do remember looking back and thinking, yeah, those emails were way too long at that time. You yeah. know? Okay. Well, that's important. Cause that's a good little nugget of knowledge right there. Define your goal shorten it down to two or three sentences. Do not make yourself feel or uh, come across as inferior, right? I think that's very important that you didn't say that you were you were a college student. You said you're a songwriter looking to take meetings. To me, that means you're already someone established. So that's a great thing to kind of take note of out there is, um, you know, I always like to leave people with practical advice, man. So I think that's a, a very, a very practical thing. But. No, absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's so true about not sounding these i mean these days it's like right it's not sounding inferior it's not like you, your email doesn't want to take it your email does not want to come across as like hey if you have some time for me i'd love to meet with you right no it's more like you know i got your solution you exactly. should be so lucky for me to, to share with you everything that i have right right now. or yeah. we're totally on the yeah. same level and we have common goals let's meet and hang you know absolutely yeah Awesome, dude. Okay. So you meet, um, so you have this uh, just crazy experience where like Jason Bloom's pitching your stuff to like Rascal Flatts and Keith Urban. Let's let's get to the part where why Nashville and when like the move here, man. I mean, it was man. just like, when did this happen? So yeah, it wasn't too long after that where, you know, okay, so the whole first, so making it 365, 300, 365 days came and went and I had met so many people, took a bunch of trips to Nashville at the time, and, and already knew I fell in love with it, and I knew that is what, what where we were going to be. For whatever reason, it just felt like home. Um, and But I have to say, the first 365 days, I did not meet my goal. So the goal was to sign a publishing deal, and I didn't. But what it did was it opened all these doors for me. It immediately, like I knew that I could move to town, and I could... I could be writing with great people. I could be writing with um, folks that had deals, folks that were hit writers. I knew that I could come to town and have a network of people, and it wouldn't. I wouldn't just be treading water for the first, you know, couple months. I, I could hit the ground running, and I think that was really important um, 
So, so anyway, we did, we, um, so Sue and I, we, uh, moved to Nashville after, as soon as we graduated, moved to Nashville. Um, we got married two weeks later. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, we did. We drug the whole family down here, had the wedding in Nashville. Um, and it was probably, you know, a month later being here that I thought, you know what? Okay. I'm going to start. I don't know. I'm here, but I need to stay focused because, you know, once you get here, it's like, what do you do? So you made this big move and this, it was a big deal, but, but now you got to act on it. So the best thing I knew, the best thing that I had ever done for myself was that, was that blog because it held me accountable. Right. So I did it again. I started making it 365 chapter two, Nashville. Brilliant, the dude. Sequel. That is really, the yeah, that's really important, man. So, yeah, for me, it was just, it was accountability. It was making sure I was ma- I was reaching out every single day um, because one open door just leads to another open door. You know, it's, it's, it's just a network. It's just pounding the pavement until, um, until those doors open, really. So, and I can, I can say, um, it was uh, might be around. You could even look it up online. Making it three sixty five. Um, I think it was day two eighty three. I can look back, and that was the day that I signed as a songwriter to Demolition Music Publishing. Hell yeah, yeah man! Yeah, it, just awesome. off of that cold email, you uh, dude. I could oh, actually, if if you want to get really crazy about yeah, it, yeah, I let's... could trace it back. Because here is how connections work. This is ridiculous. Yes, this is important. So okay, so. I could look at I could look at from the first blog, the first 365. I had I I was in Nashville. This is kind of an interesting story. So I was in Nashville and um there was a threat of snow and I had this event that night. It was uh over at ASCAP. It was a pitch to publisher event. And so I'm I go and you know in Nashville threat of snow, no one leaves their house. I mean, no one. Yeah. No one. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, I'm a Jersey guy and you know, snow down here is, is, is not a thing. It's nothing. Yeah. So of it's course, a dusting. Yeah. So, so I go out, I've, I've got Sue with me. We show up and literally nobody shows up except for me and the publisher. Wow. wow. So you get like an intimate performance. Yeah. So literally it was just me and the publisher in that evening was, uh, Shane Barrett. Um, and this is going to all come together in the end, I, I promise. But You're Shane, good, so Shane Barrett, I have about an hour and a half. We just end up hanging, talking. I'm playing him all my shitty songs at the time. You know what I mean? He's he's just he must have seen something in in that because ever since then he started setting me up with rights. Um, he would he would hook my hook like send some songs out if he liked them. Um, and one of the per- people that he hooked me up with uh, happened to be. Um, this this gentleman named John D'Agostino, which uh, he was a songwriter at the time. Um, but little did I know, you know, we ended up writing. He's a Jersey guy himself. Uh, we ended up writing. We ended up meeting, grabbing coffee. At that moment, I even write it in the blog. I said, I don't know why, but I think this there's something about this guy that I I was supposed to know him. I say, I say in the blog that this guy reminds me of my big Italian family and my grandfather, which was really, really weird. I just thought there was something special about that, you know? That's important, man. You got to listen to that, that whisper, that little nudge, man. We talk about that a lot. Yeah, and it, doesn't, it definitely doesn't get more Italian than Diagostino. Right. It does right. not. <laughs> for, for those that don't know Shane Barrett, can you, can you 
So yeah, so Shane Barrett is a he's an industry veteran here in Nashville. He was, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he used to do A and R at Columbia Records, and then headed up um, publishing at Olay, uh, and has since gone um, independent. And now he he works with a bunch of clients um, pitching songs for the country music market predominantly. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. I want to just back it up just one second um, real quick. And I think we asked, Kevin and I like to ask all of our guests this. Um, When you moved to Nashville and when you first came in and you saw that skyline, just that beautiful skyline, uh, was there maybe like, I want to know the feeling that you were that you were having uh and i also want to was there like a song that you that was playing like what was going through your mind when you just first saw that skyline and said this is now going to be my life i'm going to be a songwriter oh man i'll never forget that rolling in on route 40 coming in seeing the skyline and seeing the skyline because i loved seeing that skyline just taking trips to nashville right it felt i knew every time i came back it was like oh man just love it but the first time rolling in in that u-haul truck and just knowing that i'm planting roots here that's real. And seeing it's real and it just dude, I I, I mean, I probably cried like a baby in that U-Haul. My man, that's what I love. Hell yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So okay, so back to John. Yeah. So so you knew you felt a connection there. Obviously, it does turn into to what you thought it would be. Dude, it was yeah, it was unbelievable. So just that meeting, a year later, John ends up deciding to start a publishing company. Uh, and he starts demolition music publishing. And he's the president of the company. Uh, we'd had built that relationship over that year. And I ended up being the third writer signed at Demolition Music. So I can stem it. It's, it's crazy how it all stems back from the meeting with Shane Barrett uh, in the snow to meeting John, knowing there was something special, to signing with Demolition. And then even crazier, Shane Barrett is now one of the head pluggers at Demolition Music Publishing. No way, wow. dude. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. It's freaking crazy. What a wow. That's crazy, man. So let's okay, so dude, that's a hell of a background, man, and exactly kind of what we were looking for there. So now now fast forward, man. You're, you know, a very integral part of Demolition Music. Let's talk about your career nowadays, man. What do you what do you do, you know, day-to-day basis right now? Man, well, for me now, it's been, it's been, I mean, dude, it's been a blessing. I can't even tell you because when I first moved down here, I had, um, I, I started teaching. I started teaching music in a middle school uh, and I was doing choir, uh, general music and choir because I had to make money and I knew, you know, I knew I wanted to be a writer and I moved here to be a writer, but I also needed to make money. You know, those college loans are a pain in the ass. Absolutely. Okay. 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 So that's important too. So you weren't making money right away on, even though you had this very serendipitous partnership that came through, it wasn't like magical change your life right off the bat. No, man. I, I knew it. I had to. So I had to make money. Um, I had to do it somehow. And I, I started teaching. Um, I love, you know, I, I still love teaching. I love, you know, sharing what I know um, and inspiring, you know, kids to do to do what they love to, to or or to, to let a fire in them. So teaching was kind of a natural way for me to um, to get in and, and make a paycheck and really um, feel like I was doing something I loved as well. So so I was teaching six months in. Uh, I signed with Demolition, so and that's kind of around when we met, Steve. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I I was, if you remember, you know, I'd be teaching during the day, showing up to Music Row at five o'clock in my 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 suit and tie, and uh, 
you know, Man. getting changed at the oh, office yeah. and, you know. I don't know how you did it. And you sh- but I'll tell you what, every time you showed up for those rights, you were good to go and you were present and you were there and you had energy. And I'm like, man, I don't know how he did it. You know, teaching kids all entire day. I mean, that's got to be a little bit. Uh, I mean, you're a, you're a wonderful teacher, but that's got to be a little like that's a lot on somebody, right? It was it got it got a lot. I mean, I was so fired up to be here and to be doing something that I loved that it got me. Th- that That's what got me through. But for sure, you know, three three years in, uh, I did it for, you know taught and 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 wrote every single night for for about two and a half to three years by that end the end of three years I was just I was burnt man I was totally burnt out on I had I knew I had to make the jump uh just take a leap of faith and say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna quit teaching right now and I'm gonna try to write full-time I'm just gonna try to make it happen yeah let's talk about that man yeah that's, that's a big leap yeah you go to school, uh, you're, you got your master's, you're teaching, uh, you're making a living. Tell us about that, that actual jump from just saying, screw this, I'm doing what I love full time. Yeah, so that's, it. that's where the blessing comes in, man, because you know I can, I can think of it, and I always picture my sister, um, who always has this, she has this magnet on her fridge that I always look at. It says, leap and the net will appear. And I always think about that, you know, and, and I think, and at the time I was thinking, okay, I felt, I felt like I was ready. I felt, I don't know why, you know, I'm a, I'm a definitely a, a believer in God and, and, and a calling and a path. And, uh, and I felt like at the time God was saying, it's okay to move, go ahead and make the move. Um, and so that I would say, it's funny how it worked, but, um, I put my, my, my notice in that I wasn't going to be coming back the next year to the school two weeks later. Uh, I'm in a, a Skype meeting with uh, John D'Agostino, the owner of Demolition, and we're talking about my my final my final option as a songwriter, which means my my contract was up, and we were talking about renegotiating. Well, it was kind of serendipitous that at that same time, our creative director was leaving for another company. So John proposed he knew he knew I had a degree in business and and knew that that I could probably handle something like that. So he said, "Well, what do you think of this?" What if you continue writing for the company, but you also also take on creative director duties? You actually, you know, are handling uh, the day to day operations at the company. Um, and for me, at that time, at first, was thinking about it. I was like, "Oh man, I don't know. Like, I just want to write." You know, that's a lot. On, that's a that's a lot on someone's plate. And I never thought about being like right. that person. You know, that that having that pressure. Um, and so. Anyway, I was in the position at the time where I was just like, you know what? I talked to my wife and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to say yes to everything right now. Yes to everything. So, so I did, I, I said, I said yes. Um, and that turned into, man, that was, that was two years ago now. Uh, and I'm still, I'm still writing for the company and I'm creative directing now and it's, the company's grown like crazy. It's, it's pretty amazing. Dude, that's, that is so awesome, man. I love that. Cause that's a good thing. So and are you feeling fulfilled? Like you, you like your position, obviously Man. you've got to meet a lot of new artists. You've got to see things from a unique perspective. Like, yeah, it's literally it's every day. I mean, I do, I wake up, I wake up and I love every single day. I, I wake up and I get out of bed and I drive down music row and I, with a smile on my face, knowing that what I'm going to do today is something that I love that I'm so passionate about and I still wake up. The thing is I wake up every day hungry still, you know, there's still, there's goals that I need to reach. There's goal as a songwriter and as a company. And I have, so at this point I'm wearing two hats, you know, I'm wearing the creative 
creative, uh, the, the artist, the writer hat, and I'm also wearing the business hat. Um, and that's the juggle right now. And it's, it's, there's definitely times where it's extremely hard and stressful. And, um, you know, my phone goes off. I have, you know, we're talking, I might have 40 text messages or, or I look in my email and I've got a hundred emails and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I got to get through this, but I love every minute of it. So it's, it's worth it. That's what makes it worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, so we were talking, um, before we, before we got on record here. Um, and I'd like to ask you that same question again. So now you're in this position. Now you came from a very authentic point of being a musician, right? Like a lot of us, you know, Steve and I included, you know, we all got into music because of its, um, kind of authenticity. How do I say it? I don't know. Just, just kind of the feeling that it gave us, right. It was a very safe, comforting, uh, very real authentic expression of, of art. And so we got into that, as kind of a rebellion against what we saw in quote normal society quote normal jobs right like definitely anti-accountant pro this like artistic journey however we have all experienced that certain fall from grace where when you get into making money from music all of a sudden it is very like any other sales position out there it is a product it is a commodity it has to have pricing and placement and marketing and branding and all this other stuff like that. How do you balance the, uh, what, what advice would you give to someone out there who is struggling with balancing, you know, artistic integrity and authenticity with the fact that this is a very real business and you will be uh, placed and commoditized to a certain degree. What, um, what does that look like? Why is it worth it? Even though it does become commoditized a little bit like that. And um, maybe any real world examples that you've kind of seen of people maybe struggling with that or going through that. Well, I mean, for me, I would say that I know it's, uh, it's definitely a struggle and I, and I didn't, I've never really looked at it that way until having to put on the publisher hat, you know, and also I kind of look at it through the lens of our company. And, you know, when, when I'm looking at how to monetize music, I'm looking at it through the lens of our company, meaning like what are the outlets we have that could work with this song or this artist or this writer or this producer, how, how would what they're doing work with us and how can we synergistically make money together so that's kind of how i look at things um now for you know if you're an up-and-coming songwriter or an up-and-coming artist or producer um and you know for me it's it's absolutely just make sure that what you're writing and what you're producing um what you're singing just continues to turn you on continues to light your fire continues to be something that's coming from within that you're totally passionate about because if it is that's what's going to be that that's what people uh audiences and business people alike are going to feel that they're going to it's an unspoken passion that they're going to be immediate there's an energy there that um you know we can tell if you're faking it crowds and audiences can tell if you're if you're trying to be something that you're not um so be who you are and if and if and if you meet the right champion they're going to find out they're going to find a way to make that uh make you money to monetize that uh brand it and make it something that is um you know could be a career 
Yeah, absolutely. So while it may feel like you're taking away from the authenticity of it, that's really not true. You work with someone like yourself, a great guy like like Mike August, he's going to see that creative spark within you, and he just wants to help that. He needs to share that with other people, right? So he's trying to figure out a way to best share that in a way that will interface with the modern uh, market and the way that, that people kind of buy and are introduced to music. So I, th- I thought that was cool, man, because you can get, I think there's a lot of bad kind of shit out there when like, oh, the dark side of the music industry, man, you're working for the man or like the publishing or the artist. It's not necessarily like that. Well, there may be some individuals in the game that, that are like that. I think there's also, you know, that's why we love you so much, man, because, you know, Mike comes from such a true, authentic place, man. He's a real, I love your word champion, because he's a true champion for a real artist, man. And, and if he hears you and he feels that connection within his gut, he's going to do what he can to, to help you make a living out of doing what you do best, man. So I thought that, that was a beautiful answer. And I, I want, I think it's important for people to hear that. Yeah, man. I mean, the real life experience, you know, for me, especially is like what you just said. It's, it's literally like, because listen, we are, why we got into this business and why, you know, not just me, you know, my story now, but why everybody else that's in the music industry got into this business is because they love music, yes. right? They, you know, um, and for me, if I'm going to sign a writer at demolition or if I'm going to sign an artist, it's going to be because I have that gut response that I just know that I'm totally obsessed with what this person is doing. I believe in them fully. And I know that, you know, I'm going to get behind them and try to champion them and make their, their dreams come true because I believe in what they're doing. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, I heard somebody say one time, it's like, okay, well, if you, if you want to sign this person, yeah, they're great. They're talented. They're this, they're that. But, you know, first of all, like love what they're doing and all that. But would you be willing to invest a million dollars of your own money behind this person? Um, and if you can say yes to that, then that's, then that's just icing on the cake at that point. And for us, you know, for me, the first time it happened, we have a, we have an artist now named Haven. Um, the first time I ever got in the room to write with her, I knew that she had something just totally unexplainably cool. Totally, you know, that X factor, that, that, that voice, that writing style, that thing that, you know, I was like, okay, whoever this, this person is like, they, I can, I can absolutely feel it. I'm totally like totally blown away. And that ended up being the first person that I signed to demolition. I remember seeing her that, that that's great. Cause remember we saw her, I think at like Belcourt taps or something. Yes. And you, you kept telling me like, man, you got to hear this girl sing. You got to hear this girl sing. And, um, I remember sitting there and she opens her mouth and it was just, it, it was just beautiful. And you just looking at me and I, I knew that feeling you had, like it was, it was beautiful. And I, and I, I looked, I think I looked at you and I said, Oh yeah, you got a sign her. Yeah. It was just so great. You could feel it. I yes. mean, you you just felt that with her and now she's with you guys and she's doing fantastic work. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it was just one of those things where and and Kev, like you said, it's like how do you monet, how do you monetize that? How do you like once once you have someone that has such raw talent, how does it become that how does it get to that next level? And I can tell you, you know, uh from our perspective when we when we signed Haven, it was she she was a country pop artist. And she didn't find her true voice until this past, you know, I could say a year when she really started developing the fact that she, what she really wanted to be 
Oh wow! So she pop- developed yeah. even more after she got signed to you. Oh, she oh. was she was one person, and then like so that belief in her obviously transformed you as an artist even more. So that's crazy. Dude. Yeah, she felt. I mean, she literally has gone from being you know a country pop artist to straight up going full pop. Like she's she's gonna ex- she expresses herself better through you know through pop music and and writes that way so naturally that when the first time we took her out to LA and we, we got her in front of people, she signed, it was insane. She just blew people away. She signed a management deal with a top, one of the A-list managers in LA, uh, signed a, a sync deal with a company here in Nashville. It was just, as soon as she made that transition, that uh, transition from country to pop to be her, who she really felt authentically, um, th- the gate, the floodgates opened. It was crazy. Dude, this is so crazy, man. And I'm sorry if this is a left turn, but this this ties into something I was thinking about earlier today. Did you guys ever watch Barbershop Talk with LeBron James on HBO? Um, no, but I but I know of it. Yeah, yeah. So he was talking about something very similar to that, man. How he would have never picked Kyrie Irving to be like the breakout star that he was. He was like, yeah, I don't know if I really like that guy's, uh, you know, attitude and stuff like that. But he got on a team that he knew was going to get him to a championship, and he exploded into the Kyrie Irving that w- that we know today. So I think that's so crazy, man. Is like what makes it even more as if the music industry wasn't already a difficult landscape. You it's also very hard to pick who's going to be the superstar, right? Because you believed in Hayden. That was great. Or Haven. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but then she got on a team that she knew was going to make her a winner on Demolition. And she exploded into this even bigger artist like, and brought out this even deeper part of her that you would have never seen before. Yeah. So I think, I think that's just a really interesting point to, you know, to tell people that are out there because like, it is a rough landscape, man. And you just, uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. And, and other people don't know what your true potential is either so it's just you know it can be a a landmine laden experience kind of and it does make a difference when you're surrounding yourself with people that are your champions and positive people and people that reinforce how not just how great you are but what you what the what the future is like what you can be right and and that just it ignites them and now you really get to see their glow yes absolutely absolutely Mike, because uh, you're saying a lot of really good advice, and and um, I like to just uh, ask you a question. You know, you had, you had your uh, blog where you were cold emailing people. Um, you know, as a young songwriter, uh, if someone today was to cold email you, a uh, creative director at a great publishing company, also a professional songwriter, um, and they just I don't. He's in Missouri, and he plays guitar in his room, and he really wants to move to Nashville, and he really wants to become a songwriter and wants to do this for a living. What kind of advice would you respond in that email with? Okay. Well, you want the honest truth? I want the dirt. Absolute. <laughs> like wrist slashing. Don't honest. do it. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, okay. So, honestly, I think maybe maybe um, years back, my advice would be: yes, you have to go. You have to be in a music major music city. You got to do it. You got to make the move if you want to take yourself seriously. And that's still, you know. That's still, I 100% believe in that, but that's not my response as much anymore. Now, I do read every cold email that I get, but my response is not going to be that um, because the simple truth is, is that, you know, if this person emails me and I, and I feel like there's, and I hear some stuff and I, I talk to them and, and I feel like there's real potential there real raw talent and potential then i will then i'll give them that advice if i read an email you know read that email and what i'm hearing is not 
I'm not fired up about. I don't know if there's potential there. I'm not going to say that because the truth is, is that, you know, there's, you know, thousands of people moving to Nashville every day and not everybody is going to win. Right. Um, and, and honestly, it's like, I look at this and I'm like, I'm not going to tell you to uproot to, to totally change your entire life. If I don't believe in what you're doing, right. If I don't think it, it is, and I'm not the be all end all. That's the thing. Like music is subjective. Somebody else might totally get fired up about what you're doing and tell you to make that move. But I don't just throw that advice around anymore. Let me just put it that way. So that's the honest truth. No, and you shouldn't, man, because, that, you know, it's messing with someone's life. Yeah. So, I, you know, you have to, that's, I mean, that's just being true to, to what it is. You know now being on the business side of things what works and what doesn't. If you get the feeling, then great, you're going to encourage that. If you don't, then they need some work to do. So so let's say that. Let's say you don't get the feeling. What are, because I know you haven't, quote, gotten the feeling multiple times, what are the main themes of people that don't give you the feeling uh, embody? Is it inauthenticity? Is it you can tell they're just trying to make a paycheck on it? I'm curious. For me, it's just more so about the the level at which their their writing is. Their level from a writing standpoint. I'm looking at it. Yeah, for sure, musicianship comes into it for me because it's just it can't not from my from my upbringing. But um, it's it's more so I'm looking at okay, how far are they from where they need to be, and do I hear is is there little diamonds in the rough here that that sh- that show me that they could um now that's now but what my my advice is for for folks i don't think are ready um will be you know there's tons of amazing um programs like NSAI here in Nashville there's Songtown which i actually work with Songtown a lot um which are companies that are fantastic educational companies that work on uh building your skill set skill set as a songwriter there's um mentors you know i i i absolutely offer all these key pieces of advice that our pros like bmi ascap um and csac offer programs that you can get involved with so i'll 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 give them every single piece of advice i can and every single program i can think of um that that i think might help uh, get them to get get them to the next level um, so that's, that's kind of where I'll go with that. Yeah. Nice. Do you ever think like maybe this person just lacks life experience? They need to go out and get kicked in the teeth a little bit and like <laughs> have something meaningful to write about, like get in tune with like a real human emotional experience. Yeah, man. You can, I mean, you can absolutely tell. And, and it's hard to tell because uh, with, uh, you, it's hard to tell when, when you, when you listen to a song, what someone's life experience is, but you can definitely tell when you listen to a song and you're like, okay, they're just writing this because they think it's like going to, it gonna sounds like something that's on the radio. Yeah, and, oh yeah, exactly. And you, you can see through that really quick, uh, as opposed to when, when you listen to a song and you can spot real, real little gems of that person. You could, you can listen to a song and know that this is uh this is from personal experience. This line no one else would say this line like this person said it because they lived it. And that's a, that's that's what I want to hear. Is that part of, um, you know, a lot of people say like, well, what makes a song so great? You know, like if you go to all the number ones that happened last year, I mean, they're all so different. You know, some are very impactful about life and some are about a girl and some are about drinking, you know, whatever. Um, 
what makes a great song? There's a thousand different answers, but I mean, for you, what is, what's a great song? Man, well, in Nashville, you know, the level of songwriting here is so incredible that sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, what's real and what's not, because we've become such great crafters of songs in this town. Um, but I think for me, it it is absolutely that that essence of real. It's when I listen to a song is is am I feeling the writer's heart beat in this song? Yeah, right. It's almost like it elicits a common emotional response that we all have, but delivered in such a unique way that you haven't heard it before. Right? Exactly. And that's what makes a true artist, right? Yeah. They're eliciting love, bliss, joy, forgetting your troubles, whatever. But they're saying it in a way that you just haven't quite heard before that makes them. But then you, you put that against like, like their vibe and their delivery. And that's what makes someone like pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's what makes the artist special, uh, the artist who takes the song from the writer. The writer can, uh, you know, have this, maybe it's like a song, a heartbreak song, and the writer is very damaged, and he speaks so true. And then sometimes that art, that artist, I'm sorry, that writer couldn't, can't really deliver it maybe vocally uh, the way that maybe if Tim McGraw would go up there and just break your heart with it. You know, and that, that's the power of, of being an artist. Right. Yes. And that's what makes it an important team between a songwriter and yep. an artist. It's a very special people. marriage, the, the, those two things. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, every songwriter is not a performer, but, um, and every artist is not a songwriter. So that's why, you know, that's why we this need town, each other. Yeah. That's why this town's beautiful. That's awesome, dude. Well, what's next for you, man? What's on the horizon? What are you, where are you looking to take your personal career? Where do you see demolition going? All uh, that stuff. Oh, man. For, for both of us, you know, uh, I'm looking as, as a writer, just continuing to work with artists that I believe in, um, write songs that I believe in. Um, also doing a lot of stuff now in LA with, uh, the TV and film writing a lot for, you know, TV shows and, and movies and stuff like that. Um, also concentrating, yeah, really focusing on just finding artists and talented folks that I believe in and working with, uh, like this guy over here, Mr. Steve Lester. Hey, hey, hey. He is, shout he out. is the man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, and I, I, he knows we, I love working with him and you, you seriously are one of my favorite writers to work with. I love being in a room with you, your energy, uh, your concepts, just your musicianship, obviously. Uh, but it's, it's, it's very special to have you here with us and talking with us. And, and I think, uh, Kevin, I like to wrap up, uh, our bomb cast with asking our guests, uh, just one simple question. Um, and that is, uh, what does bomb your boundaries mean to you? So for me, bomb your boundaries. Yeah, when the first time I heard it, I mean, I think of it as, you know, a boundary is a limitation, right? That's what I think of a boundary. It's, it's, it, it's something that's, it's con- that confines you. So immediately, you know, when I think bomb your boundaries, I think, you know, it's bombing your limitations. It's literally taking um, di- a stick of dynamite and blowing up anything that's holding you back that's confining you to live a certain way that you don't want to be living. My, for me, it's, you know, for me, it's what do I want my life to be and what's holding me back? Well, let's get rid of what's holding me back so that I can achieve the goals and my dreams that I, that, that I want to do. So I can wake up every day and, and be pumped about, you know, what I'm doing. 
Dude, that's amazing, man. I love it. We have covered so much ground with this, man. I, I know you got incredible value out of this. Uh, the biggest things I've taken away from, from your story, man, was getting you know really focused on what you want, taking focused, massive action with the 365 emails, and then remaining open, honest, and trusting, man, and like you know, paying attention to those almost serendipitous meetings that you've had and like saying, you know what, this is important. I should pay attention to this. I should remain open and accepting of this at the, at the moment. Um, and then also not afraid to, to take a left turn, man. You were a teacher. That's a very stable salary. You decide to get out of that and, and go for the risk. And now it's worked out really well, man. So, you know, those, those have been the biggest things, man. You also have, um, just one quick question I want to I want to touch on real here real quick here. So you've had a lot of resources coming from a musical family. Let's say someone really wants to be a musician and they don't have those resources necessarily. What do you think is the easiest way to like really get in touch with uh who you are as an artist, man? Does it take like some, you know, what what does that introspection look like to you? I'm just curious on that. Man, as an artist, you know, I mean, gosh, that's a tough question, but I think, you know, Inside, I think you have, um, I think we all, to a certain degree, you know, we're all, I don't know, as artists, we're all ballsy to think we have something to say, right? Yeah. And to think the people should listen to what we have to say. Um, and I think if if you're one of those people that, that has, from the inside out, believes that they have something to say and that, that people should listen and that, you know, you can change the world with a song, um, then that's you should get in touch with that whatever that is whatever that calling is get in touch with that and that's what's that's what's going to bring you to your artistry hell yeah man i love that answer that's perfect dude where do people find you online man how can they get in touch with you if they want to reach out oh man for me the easiest i mean you can hit me up on instagram or facebook i'm just uh instagram i think i'm michael august music um you know slide into the dm whatever you want to do Nice. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you guys again so much for listening to this. If you got value out of it, uh, which I know you definitely did today, please uh, be sure to head on over to bombersandsleeves.com. Sign up for our mailing list. You get exclusive offers, um, new drops. When we come out, we'll give you information on that. Uh, Also, we're the most active on Instagram, so go ahead and follow us at bombersandsleeves on Instagram. Uh, you know, make a comment in one of our last posts or send us a DM on what you think of the podcast, how it's impacted your life. You know, we really want want to hear from you on that. Once a month, we're going to be giving away a free shirt to uh, someone that makes a comment in there. So so please do that. We'll be going through whoever, um, you know, makes one that we really connect with. We'll be, we'll be giving something out to you. So uh, yeah, Steve, anything I just want to thank Mike again for being here, man, sharing your life with us, man. Thanks for letting us kind of peel back the layers for your life. And uh, I'm sure our audience thanks you for all your insight and advice. Uh, And guys, just stay tuned for the next couple podcasts, man. We've got some really great guests coming up. Um, It's not going to all be music industry people. So uh, we've got creatives from all different backgrounds. Hopefully you'll get some stuff out of that. Uh, And we just want to remind you to always bomb your boundaries, baby. That's right. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for having me, guys.